Welcome to Rams Iconic. I'm your host, DeMarco Farr, and this is the podcast where we catch up with the great ones, some of the best to ever wear horns. It's a chance for the older fans to reminisce, I mean, really go back and relive some of the best moments in franchise history, and a chance for the newbies, the younger fans, to learn about players that set the standard for all the greats that followed. My next guest, a former defensive end who played 13 seasons in the National Football League, 10 of them with the LA Rams, first team All-Pro 1974, a Pro Bowler in 1975, a mainstay, a rock on the best defense in the National Football League throughout the 70s. He holds an NFL record, this still makes me laugh, for recording two safeties in one game. How does that happen? Oh, and he's a bona fide 80s television star. Please welcome in the iconic Fred Dreyer. How are you, sir? Demarco, it's great to be here with you guys. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. How, how goes the 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 orbit of the the Fred Dreyer universe? What are you up to these days? Uh, worlds are not colliding. <laughs> Keep them from colliding. <laughs> I'm getting my way through the traffic, as they say. No doubt, no doubt. You're paired with Jack Youngblood on one of the best defensive lines, defenses, period, uh, for about 10 seasons. And I can look up the numbers. When you guys gave up less than 200 points, it seemed like for an entire decade, uh, you, you had a stranglehold on the West. Um, when I read through history or talk to people that were there, the fans, mm -hmm. uh, they could talk about scheme. They could talk about players. But beyond that, what was it about you guys for that entire run on that defense? It seemed like the same guys came back year after year. What was it about that defense that just that just smothered offenses during that ten-year period? Well, as you know, um, um, the whole idea is uh, the, once you realize, as an offense and a, a defensive player, that the game goes through the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. If you don't control the line of scrimmage, you don't win. Doesn't make any difference who you have at quarterback. You know, it doesn't make any difference uh, who your personnel is at key positions. Just doesn't. If you don't control the big men at the line of scrimmage, you lose. And so, what we did is Ray Malabasi came over from uh, uh, the Raiders, and he put in a a, a tremendous defense. We had the personnel, there was talent here when, when, when Chuck Knox got here in 73. And uh, so Ray was, was hired on as a defensive coordinator. And Ray happened to be not, not a defensive backfield coach or a linebacker coach. He was the defensive line coach. Ah. What he did was everything started with the defensive line. Control the line of scrimmage. And, and uh, you know, there was this old story, Isaiah Robertson, God bless him, uh, was, uh, was the right uh, outside linebacker. And we, 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 uh, we had a good time together playing as teammates. Um, but uh, he would complain that, you know, uh, I'm not in a good position in, in certain coverages when you run an under defense. Mm. You have me inside Fred, you know, I'm the last guy on the line of scrimmage. And then they tuck Isaiah underneath, kind of like head up on the, on the offensive tackle. He says, on certain coverages, I can't get out to my position in the flat. Mm -hmm. 
And, and, the, and Ray, she says, so you're going to have to go back to an even front, a 4-3 front. And, uh, and Ray said, uh, Butch, how, how fast do you run the 40? He says, I'm around about a 4-5. He says, okay, you're fast enough to be placed anywhere on the field and get to your responsibility. So get your ass out there. <laughs> We're not changing anything, and there was always there was always conflicts, as you know, uh, right. Marco. Is that is that you have uh, the secondary coach and the linebacker coach? Everybody has their pitches and their two cents as to oh, yeah. as to how the the game plan for this week's game against the 49ers should go, and and what we want to do, what coverages and fronts, and all these things, and down at distance, and the whole thing. You know how it is. But uh, the, the, the matter of fact was Ray came out and just said, we're running an under and an over. We're not going to be sitting in an even front with down blocks. We're not going to let the center off the line of scrimmage like everybody does. You see a lot of stuff today where defenses are put in coverage first, line placement second. And so linemen are always kind of wound up in a in, in an awkward position, uh, uh, being being power blocked inside the tackles, double teamed, or having a, a, a tight tight ends on either side with a single tight end and dual tight end, down blocking on the outside man on the line of scrimmage, and and so the the idea was I told him I says I do not want anybody on my right side. I don't want anybody down blocking me. Right. And so uh, if, if they came out in two tight ends, which, you know, Dallas used two tight ends on us all through the seventies, I would quote, they call it what the what terminology is for you guys, but I would stud the tight end. Yeah. I would not go inside him. I would line up on his outside shoulder. All the way outside. Ooh, yeah. All oh my God! Outside. But you got to play the cutback. I mean, from there, you got to well, be tough. I'm, I'm, I, I am a wizard when it came to convincing people that I should be outside the tight end down block. <laughs> You're a wizard. A politician? You got it done though. Yeah. Just tell them. Listen, I know what my responsibility is in this in this lineup. Yeah. Allow me to do it. And so they said, okay, you got to get into you got to get into that hole. All the tackle has to do is block you out, and there's a hole the size of a truck in there, you know. No doubt. Uh, there's something that they use with Aaron Donald here when he first came. And it was something that you just talked about. They just named it. They called it production equal tolerance. So as long as you get to where you need to be and you make plays and you don't give up plays, you're absolutely free to freelance. Just yeah. you better well, make sure you make the play. <laughs> On, on, on Aaron Donald's, uh, I don't speak for him, but in, in my observation is they they allow him to use his athleticism. Yes. You can't sit there and put a guy with that much ability and talent, you can't put him head up on somebody and ask him to stay head up and just push the guy straight back into the right. pocket. It's time will you do that. But you want to get that guy on the on a shoulder and drive him 
and and uh, uh, make sure that everybody knows that uh, you're not just going to be sitting there waiting for a, a tag block, a double team, or a block back on the center, and an X block, and all the other combinations that, that you find against a guy like that. Uh, just never, never stifle your creativity. You're a ball player. I remember, you remember Bud Carson? Very the well. defensive coordinator? He, he looked me straight in the face while we're watching film of the 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 red or the the Washington football team, eight hundred pounds of beef, a big double team. He said, "What I want you to do is hold the point and force them backwards." And I, I said, "Yes, sir," but my mind said, "You want me to do what now?" <laughs> Are you watching the same film I'm watching? But yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to come hard down the hard road. You know, I, I did see this, um, and I didn't know this. I, I'm glad you said Ray Malavasi was a D line coach. Chuck Knox was actually an O-line coach from Detroit. So yeah. it makes sense. Two guys with the same mentality, one running the football team, one running the defense. You absolutely dominate the 70s on defense. It makes perfect sense now. Well, imagine the chagrin of, of everybody in the organization from the ground all the way up to, you know, Carol Rosenblum's office. Mm -hmm. Imagine when, when uh, Ray is hired away from the uh, – uh, Raiders comes to the Rams and tells Chuck, I'm coming here only if I get to have autonomy with how I, how I call defense. Oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to run uh, certain things and we're not going to allow a secondary coach or a linebacker coach to come in and, and call fronts. The key to the our success, as you mentioned at the top of this uh, of this uh, uh, interview, is you you want to make sure that you control the line of scrimmage with your big people, and it's up to you to be able to put the defense, as called, in at the line of scrimmage first, and then everybody else kind of fits in. To that, So the defense leadership came from the line of scrimmages, which is what you want. You know that, DeMarco. You, mm -hmm. you know, see, Bud Carson was, was a, a nice guy. We got along fine, but he wasn't my coach specifically. But he was the coordinator uh, for a while while Ray was the offensive, uh, was, was, the, uh, was the head coach. Mm -hmm. and, Bud, Bud, and so Bud, being Bud, being the uh, uh, defensive coordinator, he put in defenses according to coverage first, mm. and then defensive linemen. And that's one of the reasons that I think we we turned around and went to the Super Bowl in '79 was against Pittsburgh. Was uh, we went to Ray and just said, you know, you got to go back to putting defenses in according to to the linemen. And so we came in and put all these incredible, uh, simple, uh, over and under double mm -hmm. fronts. We we went to the Super Bowl all through the playoffs, running three uh, three uh, alignments. That was it. Wow! And everything else was a six pack, you know. So th there's you, there's Young Blood, and there's Merlin for a period of time. So when you're playing under and over, was Merlin actually the three technique? Oh, he was he was head up on the center. Oh, gosh, that poor center. 
Oh, well, well, see, here's the deal. You know, if you got strong running teams like Oakland and Pittsburgh and these teams, you know, the center is, is a viable piece and, and you want to control him. You don't want to let him off the line of scrimmage. You don't want him roaming around blocking linebackers or going downfield to the side of, 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 of the play. Right. And, and so uh, you just snap onto him and you do what? The, the beauty of, of fundamentals and techniques, DeMarco, as you know, is engaging the lineman and, 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 and stalemating him at the line of scrimmage. Don't go running up the field and open, up, open everything up on everybody. That's where you get in trouble. That's what the secondary coaches who are coordinators, that's what they find out. They, they don't know how to coach at the line of scrimmage they don't know what they're doing at the line of scrimmage. And, and so th they open everything up on their coverage. So the coverage that they put in, it's ostensibly set up to control the, the offense, the opposing offense, is now duped. They dupe themselves right. by opening up the line of scrimmage by not knowing how to coach fundamentals and techniques at the point of attack. Woo, I can just uh, – I had Jackie on one of these, Jackie Slater, mm -hmm. uh, a, a few weeks back, and he talks like you do but on the other side. So I can only imagine what your practices were like. I can tell what your games were like. That seemed like fun for your guys. But Monday through Friday must have been a war during that time period. Well, we, we – uh, Jackie, I love him. He's uh, – He's just uh, got a great heart, and he's so disciplined uh, and knowledgeable and calm. You know, that's one thing I remember about him very well that worked well for him. And 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 I look back, and you know, as time goes on, you know, things things kind of change, and they 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 morph one way or another. But when you think back on individuals and, you know, gee, why, uh, why are you guys uh, so good? And why are you guys, uh, uh, why did you guys have the success you had? It was because of, of Jackie Slater's, hmm. because of, of DeMarco Farr's. It was because of people that, that had the, uh, the ability to understand what the defense was. You know, uh, Jack Reynolds was the, our middle linebacker. Yeah, Hacksaw, yeah. Hack was the middle linebacker. And uh, every time there was a, a play that would break loose against us, he, you know, he just, he, he corrected, you know, you didn't need to take time out to discuss what happened. Everybody knew what happened. Yeah. I got hooked. Wow. Or I, I wouldn't, I, I, I got turned and I, I couldn't get off my block. The beauty of, of the fundamentals and the techniques of, of my era. And I guess it's the same same as it is now. I, 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 I watch it uh, and I look for the, uh, the fundamentals and the techniques at the point of attack. What is the line doing? And when, and when the line understands what their job description is, it's a beautiful thing, you know. You, mm -hmm. you can, Absolutely. I, you, you know, you're speaking my language, man. Absolutely. I yeah. feel the exact same way you do about football which is funny because I watched you guys coming up. So yeah, it, it makes total sense. Tell me something. Um, let me take you back to a date real quick. October 21st, 1973. Mm -hmm. I think you know where I'm going. Two safeties in one game versus Green Bay. 
you're still the only NFL player to, to do that. And you did it in one quarter. What do you remember about that day, those plays? How in the heck does one team let one guy get two safeties on them? Well, uh, that's not my decision how to explain that. <laughs> All I know <laughs> is, uh, you know, you have to have luck in this business, you know, and you have to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, we had a we had a very uh, uh, a, 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 it was seventy three Chuck's first year here. Ah, yeah. And uh, so he, uh, uh, we were we were all excited because it was new, had new uniforms. Mm. You know, it was it was, uh, it, was a, it was a great time, and this was like I think a third or fourth home game. October 21st. Yeah, we played Green Bay at the Coliseum. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think Malcolm Snyder was the left tackle for them. And, and uh, you know what was interesting is, I, 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 I don't understand it, but why would on pass plays, they're trying to go deep. They're trying to they, fill the ball They're deep. trying to go deep? They're trying to go deep. Okay. And and all of the linemen are bailing out. And so by the time you make contact with the offensive tackle, you're eight yards deep into, wow. into the offensive backfield. And so as they were running, running their offense, they kept getting – the quarterbacks kept dropping deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, hell, I just ran around the tackle. Wow. Just run, 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 run right to him. And, and, and they kept doing it. You know, I, you know, if you got your back in, up against the wall and you're, and you're in the end zone, your own end zone, you're not dropping 15 yards to throw a ball. Right. You know, otherwise, guys like me, sprinters like me, have a lot of fun, you know, on the edges. Oh, yeah. I so, have a rule. Uh, if, if they're going to be that – Dumb. If it's free, take three. Absolutely, yeah, no I, doubt. Um, how I, did you? How did you guys count sacks before they actually counted sacks? Did you guys count sacks in the meeting room? Yeah. Did you highlight those because yeah. you retired in '81? Yeah. Sacks became official, like an official stat, the yeah. next season. So I think your count is 104. But did you know that before the NFL started to count them? Well, I mean, I knew, I knew, uh, you know, you get paid for stuff, you know, yeah. in your contract. So I, I always was always particular, Jack and I, and Merlin, and all these front, uh, the front four guys uh, were always uh, uh, keen on counting sacks. And uh, it was. Uh, it I mean, was, did you have to physically write them down or did the, yeah, the team I, keep track? I, I, kept, I kept track of them and, and, and at the end of my attorney would go to the games and he he'd make notes too, you know. <laughs> so so, so uh, there was no uh, no doubt about what I had done or what I had what I had not done after the season was over, you know. And and uh, but we kept those we kept track of the sacks and uh, uh, what was interesting. What the one thing I do remember about that the subject of sacks is. Uh, it, it, it was always, yeah, you want to get a lot of sacks. And we, and we did collectively and individually 
front four, you know, the whole idea was 14 games, 16 games schedule. We, we kept track of them. And uh, the one thing that we, we wanted to make sure is, is that uh, they were keeping track of them too. Although it wasn't official, it was, it was something that, uh, you know, we uh, believed in that, that was really a rallying point for the people on, on, the, on the defense. And it's one of the things that we enjoyed was uh, being competitive with one another. Well, I, I just have to say thank you for the guys that didn't have their sacks counted because, to me, sacks were everything. I mean, win the game first, dominate the line of scrimmage, no doubt. But, you know, you, you actually had a stat for defensive linemen. So, you know, I, you know, I'd rather finish the year with zero sacks than one sack. I don't know why that's weird. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> I mean, well, that's the deal. I was, I was about to say this. Yeah. Flip my mind. But, you know, if I have 104 sacks – Think of how close I was to having 154 sacks. How many you missed? You know many Absolutely right. Sacks I missed by a whisker. How many times I had him in the grasp and he slipped away, or I got oh. I got knocked off of a sack. You know, and yeah. so uh, that's the frustrating thing is I had 104, which is fine, but. Uh, I got to tell you, I, 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 I should have had 154. No doubt. Absolutely. I'm in prayer. Lord, just give me one more step. Absolutely. Just give me another, give me another sack, you know. <laughs> more step, but I would have had him. So you retire and you fall into, or how did you get into acting? You had a, a great second career as an actor in the 80s. Uh, as L.A. PD homicide detective Rick Hunter on the show, Hunter, how did you know you were going to be an actor while you were playing, or did, did this just come about after you retired? Yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I knew I was headed in that direction. Of course, you know, it's like anything else. Uh, you know, you can you can play all you want in your youth, and when it comes to uh, comes time to uh, playing professionally, you got to you kind of got to step up and, and, and perform. Otherwise, you're done, you know, you're done at an early age. Well, acting, you know, you can act until you're 100. But in my, in my uh, view of things, uh, it was something I was interested in doing a long time ago when I was a kid. And uh, I was in plays and I was... Uh, uh, you know, I, I was doing I was doing things that interested me in that in that regard in drama, whether it was high school, whether it was uh, you know in college and stuff. Or uh, I, I had a I had a, a real a real deep interest in doing something. And finally, I decided you know while I was still playing in seventy four and five. I I, uh, I decided to study with Nina Fosh up here up in Hollywood, and uh, uh, so in the off season, uh, I just uh, put everything aside and looked myself in the mirror and just said, "If you're gonna do it, do it. If you're mm -hmm. not, move on." And so uh, I, I did it, and uh, I, I I started. Uh, Five, five years left on my uh, RAM contract in 74, 75. 
that's when I uh, really started taking it seriously. And, uh, and, and uh, in the off season, took a double, took two classes mm. on, on acting and, uh, and a, a couple on, on, on directing. And I just, I, I filled myself in the off season with my interest. And um, so, so as I unfolded into this career, I, I, I could see it coming. I said, I, I, I said, I think I can do this if I can, if I can, if I can be taken seriously for someone to audition me for a job. Hmm. Well, I got a, I got an agent, and the agent said, uh, Yeah, let me, let me represent you because it was a high profile deal. Ellie Ram guy wants to be an actor. Okay, let's, uh, let's take him on. Let's send him out on a couple of uh, readings and see what happens. Well, I started getting jobs. Wow. You know, while so, you're playing you're getting jobs yeah and so wow. so i i just figured well i'll just i'll just lay low i'm not gonna you know it's like if i if you start telling people I, this is what i thought if you start telling people yeah i'm gonna be an actor then you're opening yourself up for you know everything that you really don't want to right to with that. so i never said anything to anybody about anything when i left the rams i shot straight up here to my acting coach and to Nina Fascia Studios, and I just said, "Look, this is what I'm doing. Hmm. I'm not in football anymore. So this is what I'm doing." And once I committed and told somebody I respected and could do something about it, she says, uh, "Then let's start studying 24/7, 365, and let's get serious about it." And and I did, and things worked out. Wow. So, okay, so as a kid, I'm watching you, you, you retire, and I'm thinking as a kid, I'm, I'm even writing reports. I'm gonna play football, I'm gonna play football in the National Football League for 10 years, and then I'm gonna get a hit, a hit TV show like Fred Dreyer. But there was actual work involved. <laughs> it wasn't just you rolling off the field right into an acting job because you are who you are. You actually had to work at this is what I'm hearing. Well, uh, I went to, I went to uh, acting school for about five years. And uh, I just plugged away, just me wow. and, my, and my interest. And I wanted to, before I committed to, to myself to say, yes, I'm going to do this, I, it, took, it took a while for me to ride the horse, as it were, mm -hmm. to find out if, you know, am I serious about it? or Because there's a billion people that you know, want to be an actor. So, you know, football is pretty finite. You know, you either can play it or you can't play it. And and uh, acting, you know, there's a lot of bad actors making a good living in life, you know. And and, and uh, so I, I wanted to, to study acting for the sake of understanding it and and wow. becoming good at it. I, I, I you know, it, 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 getting a, a job on a television show wasn't something that, uh, I mean, I, I knew that's the direction you have to go. But I said, if I'm going to put this much time and effort into it, I got to be able to make a living at it. So it took a while for me to believe I can do this and I can make a living at it. And when I did that, uh, it, it everything kind of just turned around, you know. And uh, uh, I, I started going out on interviews. I started getting jobs, mm. uh, and and I saw the void in the business, you know, you know. Uh, 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 I was 30, 
36, 35, 36. I've just gotten married. I, I, my wife had a baby. And so uh, I, my, my daughter, Kate, was born uh, at Cedar sinai over here in Beverly Hills. And uh, I was downtown uh, doing a, a bank robbery scene for, for the pilot of Hunter. And the producer came over and says, I, you know, the, your, uh, your, uh, uh, your friend Joanna called and said that uh, your wife's at Cedars, she's in labor. So I said, I'll see you. So I, wow. took, I was downtown, I took off and the baby was born, everything was great. And, uh, and, and so and here I was uh, finishing up work on, on shooting the Hunter pilot and also having a new family. Wow. Was, wow, man. Everything kind of hit at once. And so you had to either pay attention yeah. or, 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 or get out of the way for somebody else. No doubt. Uh, because of that show, I actually believe that cars could fly. And I, I told a friend, uh, a buddy of mine, and I hate even to bring this up, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I said, I'm going to interview Fred Dreyer. He goes, oh, Hunter? I go, yeah. He goes, his show was the first show to where a cop actually used a Desert Eagle on TV. Did not know that. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah it was, uh, that was, uh, that was a fun uh, experience for me. Yeah? Know? Yeah, because everybody, everybody seems to be a football fan, whether or not you play or not. You know, uh, everybody's, everybody's a, uh, a, a detective show fan. Whether or not you're starring in it or you're not starring in it, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of detective genre shows, you know. Yeah. And, and so when the producer comes over to you and says, "Hey, we we've got this show coming up," and, uh, and, and, and he's he's a, he's a crazy killer, and Hunter has to go after him, and and he said, "I said I says great," I said, "What's that?" And he opens up the suitcase. Uh, and in there is a desert eagle. It's big. No, wait a minute. It's this big. It was, it was the size of uh, John's shoe. It was. About- <laughs> oh my god! Wow. <laughs> it's really too much. But it was a lot of fun. And uh, and yeah, we shot and everything we did. I shot a sub uh, a Thompson yeah. machine gun. I yeah. shot all kinds of stuff. You know, they sent us out to the sheriff's station out here. And, uh, and and we just shot a, 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 about a thousand rounds. We pushed through about a thousand rounds and different different guns, different types of guns. Right. But it was a lot of fun, DeMarco. It was it was fun and it was like being a fourteen year old kid again. You know. Well, right now I feel like a twelve year old talking to you and just listening to these stories, man. And you know more than the acting, just about ball. And I get it. Uh, you you went full speed ahead on acting, but the way you talk about ball, the way you talk about defensive line play, you know, you could have been a coach. Uh, you, you have the mentality. I mean, it's, it's there. You never leave it. So you acted, but you're still a football player at heart, man. No doubt. Yeah, I, I, I do feel that way. Um, you know, having gone through both experiences, um, uh, there's, you know, you feel like you're split down the middle between uh, a loyalty or an allegiance. Everything in acting, as they say, is life experience. Mm-hmm. 
everything that you are, everything that, that you do, and everything that you that you uh, you experience in everyday life goes onto the woodpile of experiences for you as an actor to use. And, and, and it's the same as a football player. You know, you play, you play 13 years. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been a blast for me. I, I wish we had more time. Uh, there's so many things I want to ask you. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you about Hacksaw. Did he really cut a car in half? But that's for a different show. But uh, Fred Dreyer, thank you so much for coming on. And I can't wait to see you. Good to Marco. Thanks a lot. Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. That's going to do it for another episode of Rams Iconic. Thank you for listening. And do not forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And let us know what you think of the podcast and which Rams legend you'd like to hear from next. We cannot wait for you to step inside the Rams house with us. There is still time to be among the first to experience SoFi Stadium. To purchase tickets, visit therams.com slash 2021. That's therams.com slash 2021. And I'll see you on the next episode of Rams Iconic. Rams Iconic.